Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we are continuing our conversation about the nervous system. We're talking about the somatic nervous system today. Last week, we talked about the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight and rest digest side of your nervous system, but there's so much more to your nervous system than just fight or flight and rest and digest. The somatic nervous system is what we're going to focus on today because improving sensation can improve activation. Improving sensation can improve muscle activation. Many people can't effectively engage their muscles, which can limit strength and cause joint aches and pains after exercise. If you're not an Evlo member or if you don't have great programming, this could be because of the workout program that you're following. Many workout programs choose exercises that overuse muscles, which can cause inflammation, which can block muscle activation. Many people are also not choosing exercises that mechanically load a muscle effectively. So they're like, this is supposed to target this muscle, but I don't feel it here. And that's because the resistance isn't mechanically loading the muscle that you're trying to target. For example, a wood chop exercise where you're kneeling or you're standing and you're kind of swinging a weight in a diagonal motion kind of around your body. A lot of times this wood chop exercise is programmed to target abs and obliques, but a wood chop is actually loading the shoulders, not the trunk. The trunk is actually neutral and acts as a stabilizer as the arms move around the body. The weight that you're holding and lifting is loading the deltoids or the shoulders, not the trunk. So it really isn't a great trunk exercise. It would kind of be like calling a bicep curl a good back exercise. When you do a bicep curl, your paraspinals or your back muscles have to contract to keep your body upright so you don't fall forward. But no one chooses a bicep curl to work their back muscles. So If you're not feeling your muscles contract, if you're like, I'm exercising, but I don't feel them activate and contract, it could be because of these programming issues. So try fixing some of those programming issues before you get into some of the tools that I'm going to talk about today. But once you have fixed those programming things, or if you're an Evlo member, we can kind of further refine the activation of your muscles by improving your neuromuscular function or improving the wiring from your brain to your muscles using an understanding of some of the aspects of your somatic nervous system. If you implement these tools that I'm going to talk about today, you'll eventually start to feel muscles more during your workout. And not only is that more satisfying, but your strength will improve, your stability will improve. This will allow you to lift heavier, which will eventually start to accumulate into better results. Your joints will also feel better because you limit compensation and improve stability. So These tools can be awesome to layer into a workout program that's already programmed very effectively. These tools are not necessarily magic pills, and anything that you add based on this episode will take lots of repetitions to be effective. I'm going to talk about cortical plasticity here in a second, but these tools can kind of be a piece of the puzzle for you to refine your workout. So today, we'll talk about what the somatic nervous system does how the brain connects to your muscles via a motor map, how you can stimulate receptors in your body to improve that motor map and see better results. So let's start with defining the somatic nervous system. The somatic nervous system is responsible for moving your body and contracting your muscles and relaying information from your five senses to your brain. Your nervous system is constantly scanning your environment to detect the level of safety or threat that's surrounding you. 
Your brain can be taking in up to 11 million bits of information per second. 11 million bits in one given second of information from your environment around you via your five senses, your touch, smell, taste, hearing, and sight. This is really astonishing that your brain is processing this much information, but the majority of the information that's coming from the scanning and your brain processing is unconscious and it's going completely unnoticed by you and it's kind of happening behind the scenes. And this is an amazing thing that your brain does. It kind of does things on autopilot without your conscious awareness. Because if you think about it, if you're processing all of this information at once, you would get nothing done. If you were constantly thinking about all the information your brain is processing at any given second, you wouldn't be able to function. If you're thinking about the temperature of the room, the sounds around you, how heavy is your clothing on your body? What's the pressure of your feet on the floor? What's the pressure of your butt in the seat? How tight or loose are your socks? What's the barometric pressure of the environment around you? Like how high are you above sea level? All of the information coming in through your eyes, which is most of the information. So how light the room is, what's going on in your periphery, what are the colors in my environment? There is so much information that your brain is taking in at any given second, which really makes you appreciate your brain for being able to assimilate and make sense of all of that information. It's incredible. And this isn't in my notes today, but I want to tell this story because it truly has made me appreciate my brain and the processing that your brain does behind the scenes. So almost two years ago, no, a year and a half ago, I was in a bookstore with my cousin Aaron and I was trying to read a book and all of a sudden I could not read. Like I could see the letters on the book, but I could not tell you what the word said. I was like, I think I like, I could physically see the shapes. Everything was clear in my vision, but I could not read. My brain was not connecting the cognitive ability to process what that word said. And it was the scariest thing I've ever been through. I later found out that that was a migraine that I was experiencing probably from wine that I had the night before. And that scared me enough to kind of stop drinking wine for a little while. But it just gave me such an appreciation for my brain and all of the things that your brain does for you. And it really made me even more interested in some of this neurology stuff because it's like, oh my gosh, something can go wrong in an instant and all of a sudden everything changes in your life. So anyways, I I really appreciate the brain and I really think it's interesting. So my hope is to kind of make this stuff really interesting for you today so that you can start to appreciate your own brain more too. So if we can give our brain good inputs via our five senses, those inputs may help clean up some of the information that our brain is trying to assimilate and our brain can produce better, higher functioning outputs like better strength, more mobility, a clearer mind. It can really improve so many different aspects of how we're showing up. On the other hand, if your brain has poor inputs via your five senses, the outputs are often negative because your brain isn't clear on what's going on around you. And since it doesn't know, it would rather err on the side of safety and tighten you up, put you on edge, increase your heart rate, and get you prepared to fight or flight. An example of how poor inputs coming in via your five senses can make you more on edge, tighten you up, give you negative side effects or negative outputs is driving at night. So has anyone else driven at night recently and just felt on edge? 
You may tighten up. You might sit straighter in your seat. You might hold onto the steering wheel with both hands. You could be in the exact same car with the exact same amount of traffic and your muscles would be tighter and you would feel more on edge just because now your vision is slightly impaired. It's because since your vision is so much more restricted, your brain senses danger and the output is muscle tightness and increased alertness. This happens on a macro or micro scale all over your body at all times, often without our conscious awareness. But what's cool and what we often don't think about is you can train your five senses. You can train your sensory system of your body, your somatic nervous system, so that your brain is getting better inputs and therefore producing better outputs. If you think about it, sommeliers train their sense of taste and smell. Their taste and smell improve with practice and intention. Pilots train their eyes. Their vision can improve by training their eyes. Vision-impaired folks may train and improve their sense of touch or their sense of hearing. Our five senses can improve with practice. And the applications of this are endless. And to me, it's super fascinating because it's like, oh, we don't really think about training our somatic nervous system, our five senses. But how can we apply this to exercise? And we do this in class. We kind of talk about stimulating mechanoreceptors and we do some vestibular drills and things like that. We do mobility. We do some weird stuff in classes. And this is partly because of we are working to train your somatic nervous system to give your brain better inputs over your environment so that you can have better outputs like increased stability, increased strength, increased mobility. So there's tons of applications. And there's tons of applications within exercise as well. But today I want to focus specifically on physical touch or on stimulating mechanoreceptors, which is something I talk about in class all the time, and how using some sensory tools can improve activation of your muscles and thus your results. So when you exercise, a part of your brain called the homunculus is activated. The homunculus, a really fun word to say. This is the part of your brain that's responsible for contracting muscles and coordinating movement. If you were to Google a picture of the homunculus, which I highly recommend you do, you'll see this bizarre depiction of like a face, a tongue, a hand, a leg, a trunk, kind of all spiraled around a brain. And I would pause and go look this up because it's, it's going to give you a really good image of what I'm going to talk about here in a moment. So this homunculus is a map that your brain uses to control different parts of your body. You may have heard of a motor map, a muscle activation map that lives in your brain. And the larger the body part on that map, the more control you have over that area. Again, if you were to Google it, you'll notice that the hands are generally the largest represented on that graphic which makes sense because your hands have a lot of dexterity to be able to do fine motor movements with high precision like writing and typing. It's interesting because even though your leg is or your thigh is much larger than your hand, your brain doesn't have the same representation as far as control. So the motor map of your hand is much larger than the motor map of your thigh even though your thigh is physically bigger. You have a lot more control and understanding and coordination of your hand than you do your thigh. But what's really cool is that you can improve the size of a certain body part on your motor map with practice, focus, intentional exercise, and stimulating your somatic nervous system. This is called 
cortical plasticity or your brain's ability to adapt and reorganize to improve motor mapping to certain areas of your body. In other words, you can make a certain representation on that homunculus larger and therefore have more control, be able to recruit muscles with better efficiency with practice and some of this, some of these tools that I'm going to teach you here in a moment. This means that your movement becomes more refined. Your movement becomes more efficient. You can improve the amount of fibers within the muscle that you recruit. When you recruit more muscle fibers, you can load that movement more and you can see more gains. This is why in Evla, we we target one area or one muscle group at a time. We're not doing a bunch of things at once. We're focusing on one muscle group primarily at any given time because you can channel your focus to that one area and your brain can really improve that motor path to that area, recruit more of the muscle and see better results while stabilizing all the other joints that surround the muscle that you're targeting. We often hear Evelyn members say, this is the first time I'm able to contract my glutes and feel them. Like I feel them more than I ever have in my whole life. I've been exercising forever and I finally feel my glutes contract like crazy. And this is because number one, we aren't overusing the glutes, which causes inflammation and blocks activation. And number two, we aren't just going through the motions. We are really coaching and teaching you about the muscle. We're teaching you how to push into the floor to recruit that muscle better. We're teaching you where it originates and where it inserts. We're teaching you to rub it, to touch it, to use different analogies as you move through the movement. And these cues will really allow you to improve the motor mapping to that specific muscle. And over time, the movement pattern will become more efficient. You'll be able to activate the muscle more effectively. This is the reason why we don't just like give out PDFs of our workouts because Our cues within classes are really teaching you how to improve that motor mapping. And that's just something that is not the same over a PDF workout or just video demos of the exercises. So we truly believe that just giving you like a list of exercises won't provide the same results. It's intentional programming of the classes themselves. And then along with kind of the coaching and the cues that we give you in class. So improving the motor map of a muscle will come with lots of practice because cortical plasticity, or again, your brain's ability to rewire stronger connections to certain parts of your body takes a lot of time and reps. So let's get into some tools that you can use to improve the motor map to certain areas. Better sensation leads to better activation. I said that at the beginning of the, of the episode. What does that mean? When your brain better understands your environment, You can improve motor output or muscle activation, improving the motor map and seeing better results with less tightness and tenseness and joint achiness. You can improve the motor map to any muscle in your body. But a lot of people like to do this in certain areas that they struggle to engage like glutes or even their non-dominant arm. Like some people will say, my left arm is a lot weaker than my right arm. Should I do more reps on my left side? And I always say, no, don't do more reps. We just want to improve the motor map to your left side because your motor map to your right side is probably a lot stronger because you've used that side a lot more. Your brain has more motor awareness of your right side than it does to your left side. So there's some techniques that you can do to improve the motor map to these areas. It takes time and intention, but it can be really powerful. So let's talk about sensation, improving sensation by stimulating mechanoreceptors. So all over your body, in your skin, in your muscles, in your ligaments, tendons, inside the joints, in your organs, 
you have all of these sensory sensory receptors. This is your somatic nervous system. All of these sensory receptors that are taking in information. They're little cells detecting information from your five senses and sending that information up to your brain. And your brain processes that information and makes a decision. Like I said, if your vision is limited, you might tighten up right? Less clear information coming in through your eyes. Your brain's like, ooh, that's danger. We better tighten up to help protect. If you are on an unstable surface, your brain senses, oh, there's something underneath my feet that I'm not quite sure how to stabilize. I'm afraid she's going to fall. So that information from the bottom of your foot goes up to your brain. Your brain processes that information and it tightens you up to try to get you, keep you safe and keep you from falling over. So there's all these receptors all over your body that are taking in all kinds of information via your five senses. A class of receptors called mechanoreceptors are what I want to focus on today and what you'll hear us cueing in classes sometimes. So mechanoreceptors take in information via touch, joint position, muscle stretch, and pressure. And they send that information up to your brain. So when you touch physically or rub a muscle, you are stimulating these little mechanoreceptors. Your mechano, those messages are going up to your brain and your brain is like, yes, she's safe or no, she's not safe. Your brain responds to these messages by producing some result based on your level of threat. So here are some examples of how stimulating mechanoreceptors leads to a physical outcome in your body. Gentle massage, gently touching a massage or rubbing a muscle may stimulate mechanoreceptors, decreasing your threat level and temporarily improving tightness. Have you ever gotten a gentle massage or even just kind of like rubbed a joint and felt a little looser, a little better? This isn't because you're physically changing the muscle. It's because you are stimulating mechanoreceptors. Your brain is no longer feeling like it's under a threat. And so your brain is relaxing the muscles. You touching or rubbing the muscle is not what's relaxing the muscles. Your brain is relaxing the muscles. Important distinction. Another example is a physical tactile cue, like tapping your glute, let's say, or rubbing your glute when you're trying to work your glute may improve strength and activation in a muscle during your workout. So those are some examples of how stimulating mechanoreceptors can lead to positive results. But the results are not always positive. The receptors can also cause unpleasant outcomes. So let's say you've got these pressure receptors, which are a type of mechanoreceptor. Let's say you're sitting on a hard stool for too long and those pressure receptors are sending information up to your brain that she's sitting on a hard stool. We might not be stable. There might be some level of threat. Brain, what should we do with this? Your brain is like, okay, let's tighten up her hips and her low back to keep her hips and low back stable so she doesn't hurt herself. So this is an example of how pressure receptors were stimulated. Your brain assimilated that, decided that it wasn't safe and tightened you up. Another example is deep tissue massage. Have you ever felt tight and tense after a deep tissue massage? Because remember, massage doesn't actually work out anything in the tissue itself. It's stimulating receptors, which send signals to your brain. And your brain responds by either relaxing or tensing that tissue. Sometimes too much pressure, too much deep touch can signal a threat to your nervous system and cause more tightness. And sometimes your brain responds with inflammation because there's your brain's like, oh, there's something wrong here. We better inflame. This is why sometimes deep tissue massage can backfire. And I generally don't recommend deep tissue massage. I generally recommend light tissue massage 
as the benefits from massage are coming from the relaxing effect via your nervous system, right? Because massage isn't physically working out anything in the tissue itself. It's affecting your nervous system. So this is why I usually like to err on the side of safety and say, light tissue is generally the most advantageous. And of course, it depends person to person. Some people respond great to deep tissue massage, but I like to say when someone asks my opinion in general, if you're going to someone new, if you're unsure, light tissue tends to be more advantageous. So when these mechanoreceptors that live all over your body have good, clean information, your body feels safe, and your strength and mobility improves because of this feedback loop from those receptors up to your brain. These mechanoreceptors can have bad information or not clean information, and the opposite happens. You may tighten up, your strength may decrease because your body wants to limit force since it's afraid it can't stabilize your joints, and you may also feel pain. We talked about this with some non-exercise examples, but what are some examples where your brain isn't getting good information via your somatic nervous system, via these mechanoreceptors that live over around your body, and therefore you get tightness or decreased muscle activation. So I think a really good example to talk about is when your joints are jammed. Jammed joints lead to weak muscles. And this is because within your joints, you have a class of mechanoreceptors called joint capsule receptors. These joint capsule receptors are sensing how compressed or jammed a joint is. When the joint is more jammed or compressed, it'll send signals up to your brain. Hey, we're not safe in this position. Let's tighten up. Let's restrict movement. Let's reduce muscular output. Let's reduce muscle activation so that they don't you know, pick up a ton of load and hurt themselves. So when a joint is more compressed, let's say you're doing a movement like an overhead press and you're pressing shoulders down and back, which is cute in a lot of fitness classes, press your shoulders down and back, do an overhead press. That type of movement can actually compress the shoulder because you're taking the scapula or the shoulder blade and pushing the shoulder blade down as the arm is elevating. And this can often compress some structures in the front side of the shoulder. So now you've got joint capsule receptors that are getting compressed. That compression is sending signals up to your brain. Hey, this isn't the safest position. We might, you know, if she keeps doing this, we might get injured. Something might happen. So your body's like, okay, we better protect. We better take safety precautions here and let's tighten her up. Let's tighten up her neck. Let's tighten up her shoulders and let's reduce muscular output. Let's reduce muscle activation. So this is an example of how this can happen during exercise and why exercise selection is so important. On the other hand, if you're doing a different exercise for the shoulders, let's say the one that we do, like a side-lying abduction that doesn't compress the shoulder, those joint capsule receptors now have good clean information. They're like, okay, the joint is gliding good. We're doing good. There's room here. No need to go in threat mode. No need to tighten up the neck. No need to decrease muscle activation. Your brain's like, cool, we're stable. We're safe. We're strong. Let's improve strength. Let's send lots of good muscle activation. Let's keep her mobile. Let's reduce inflammation, all of the things. So this is why it's important to choose exercises that are limiting joint compression. And also why it's important to work out with an individual who understands joint biomechanics, which most fitness instructors are unfortunately not taught this, but it's really important to work out with someone who does understand how joints move and how they glide within their sockets. 
It's also important to do mobility before, and you can even do mobility during and after your workouts to stimulate those joint capsule receptors, improve stability, and therefore improve your workout's effectiveness. So what you can do is, let's say you are in the middle of your workout and you're like, I am not feeling my muscles contract. Take a pause and do some joint joint mobility for that specific joint and then maybe for the joint above and below. So let's say you're working your glutes and you're struggling to feel your glutes engage. You know your form is good. You've rubbed, you've activated the mechanoreceptors by touching the muscle, tapping the muscle. That's not working. You know you're not overusing your muscles or your glutes and you're just still not feeling your glutes engage. In that case, you could try taking a pause and doing some active mobility in the hip itself, and then maybe above and below. So let's say um, you're doing lunges, pause. You're not feeling your glutes engaged. You're like, okay, let let me just pause. This will be worth it. Do some hip circles. Lift your leg off the mat and do like four or five hip circles in each direction. Pay attention to that hip circle. Don't just move through the motions. Close your eyes. Feel your hip move. Smooth out the motion. Do four in each direction. And then maybe do four ankle circles in each direction. And then maybe you do four gentle trunk twists in each direction and then get back into your lunge or step up or whatever you were doing and see if that helped. Because again, a lot of times when you get cleaner information through those joint capsule receptors can send signals up to your brain that you're safe, you're stable and motor activity or muscle activation can improve. I touched on this briefly But another way to improve muscle activation during exercise is by stimulating these mechanoreceptors via physical touch, rubbing, tapping, and potentially even light massage on the muscle itself all around the muscle where the muscle inserts regions around the muscle may help stimulate these touch mechanoreceptors and improve muscle activation. Again, You could even use like a massage gun because mechanoreceptors are also sensing things like vibration and that can sometimes be the stimulus that your brain needs to have better motor awareness, better motor mapping of that area. Um, But be careful with the massage guns. Some of them are just way too intense and again, can maybe do the opposite and be counterproductive. So if you're going to use a massage gun on a tissue during your workout, do just like a few seconds. It doesn't need to be a lot. You don't need to create a bunch of damage and inflammation in the tissue. It's just to kind of stimulate to alert your brain of that area so that you can recruit it better. So those are a couple of tools that you can add to your workout to improve muscle activation. And again, they're kind of strange. And so I wanted to do a podcast to explain why we're doing these things in classes and why they can be effective. So let's summarize what we talked about today. My goal with this podcast, with my content, with Evlo, is to really help educate you about your own body beyond just teaching you what your muscles do. I want us to start understanding some underlying mechanisms that are creating your results and how you physically feel. Your nervous system is a big piece of that, and your nervous system is very complex. These two episodes didn't even scratch the surface, but hopefully they gave you and a preliminary understanding of some of this stuff. Your nervous system is constantly scanning your your environment via your five senses and processing millions of bits of information per second to keep you safe. All these receptors that live in your body are detecting information via your five senses and send that information up to your brain. Your brain processes that information and creates certain outputs. We talked about lots of examples today. But when it comes to exercise, these outputs 
may be how tight or mobile you feel, how strong and stable you feel, or maybe you're not able to activate a muscle. Maybe you feel like you're getting inhibited because your brain isn't getting good information over the area, over the joint, over the surrounding tissue. You can use some of these powerful sensory tools to improve your muscle activation, to improve your connection from your muscle up to your brain. And these tools may allow you to have a more pleasant and satisfying experience, and you may start to see better results while reducing joint pain. So these tools are using physical touch during your workout to the tissue that you're trying to target. So if you're targeting glutes, light touching, rubbing during your exercise or during your set or taking a pause, touch it, rub it, get back into it. That may help with muscle activation. You can also do active mobility before, during, or after your workout to help with muscle activation to improve that motor map from your brain down to your tissues. There's also other tools that I didn't talk about today that can be really powerful. And I did a whole episode specifically about your visual system because out of those 11 billion bits per second of information your brain is taking in, 10 million of them are coming from your eyes. So you can do these kind of cool eye and vestibular drills before, during, or after your workout to improve the efficacy of your motor map to certain muscles. Really fascinating, really interesting. So that episode is covered in number 46. So episode number 46, if you want to go back and listen to that. Again, these tools that I talked about today do not trump proper form, proper programming. So if you're using these and, you, and you're not feeling a difference, number one, make sure that you're not overusing your muscles. Sometimes it means taking a few days off exercise to let your body heal any underlying inflammation and then go from there. Number two, make sure that your form's cracked. I always say videotape yourself. No shame in that. You'll learn a lot about how your body's moving by seeing a video of yourself. Number three, it may take time and intention to improve the motor map to that muscle. If we think about it, we've done certain things a certain way our entire life. And those habits may have carved a really strong motor pattern in one specific way. So sometimes breaking that motor pattern can take lots of repetitions and lots of practice. So be patient. I hope this episode was interesting today. Remember that if you're enjoying this podcast, we don't do ads and I don't plan to ever do ads. This is totally free, but these episodes take me hours and hours to create each week and I do it for free. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, if you haven't already, if you have left one, I appreciate you so much. They mean so much to me. And that is it. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.